transformational truth number 15. When it comes to the pursuit of our purpose, the most devastating thing that could happen to you is not failure. Far more dangerous is becoming successful at the wrong thing. Welcome to the Transformational Truth Podcast, where we're committed to eliminating the obstacles that take the joy out of life and leadership. Our special guest today is Bishop Dale Bronner. Bishop Bronner is a graduate of Morehouse College, where he finished as the top student in the field of religion. In 2001, he earned his Doctor of Ministry degree from Christian Life School of Theology, and in 2003, he was consecrated and installed as bishop by the International Communion of Charismatic Churches, which is a network of more than 16,000 churches. Bishop Bronner serves on the board of directors and is part owner of Bronner Brothers Manufacturing Company, a multi-million dollar family-owned corporation which has been in the hair care business for over 60 years. Currently, Bishop Bronner is the founder and senior pastor of Word of Faith Family Worship Cathedral, an interdenominational ministry founded in 1991, thriving with more than 19,000 members. Listen, my interview with Bishop Bronner was like drinking water out of a fire hydrant. Incredible wisdom. He is a pastor, he's a business leader, and he is an absolute statesman. You're going to be blessed. You're going to be encouraged and challenged by this interview. Let's jump into it. Our special guest today is Bishop Dale Bronner. Bishop Bronner, welcome to Transformational Truths. We're really honored to have you on, sir. Oh, it's great to be here. So here's today's Transformational Truth. When it comes to the pursuit of our purpose, the most devastating thing that could happen to you is not failure. Far more dangerous is becoming successful at the wrong thing. And what we're talking about today is living out of our own unique purpose. And I think it's important that we don't confuse success with purpose because it is possible to be successful and still be miserable. It's possible to wake up every day Go to a job that pays you well, but leaves you empty because it's not connected to your God-given purpose. And I think life is too short and it's too precious to spend the rest of our lives trying to pursue a career when we could be pursuing our calling. And here to help us today unpack this concept is Bishop Dale Bronner. And Bishop Bronner, I have heard you and I have read you and you've spoken on the matter of purpose at length powerfully. Um, in fact, in, in one of your books, uh, Power Principles, you said something that I think is going to help a lot of people. And so I'd like to just share it. Uh, you wrote, a career is what you're paid for, but a calling is what you're made for. Can you just take a, a couple of minutes and unpack that idea for us? Uh, sure. Um, it is true that God has, uh, I think, created each of us for a particular divine purpose, that's, that's a calling. That's the thing that you were born to do, that you were made to do, that God gives aligning gifts in us. And our passions and joys are actually connected to that. There are people that are good at something that they are not passionate about doing. Mm. I remember my first trip to South Africa a number of years ago. Um, I, I, one of the, 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 the gate agent who was working for South African Airlines said to me that, she had a son and a daughter, 
And she says, my son is really passionate about music, but my daughter is more gifted in music than the son, but she mm. wasn't passionate about it. Wow. And uh, so, <laughs> you know, God somehow connects our passion with our purpose. And sometimes we don't always get in it to where we can just start doing the things that really uh, make us very passionate because along with everybody's calling, along with everybody's gift is a mundane part that has to be walked out on a daily basis that is not very exciting. Along with everything that we're called to do is something that is not fully as exciting, but it goes along with the territory. So. Wow. But, but it serves other people. It's what we were born to do. It is that thing, when you understand purpose of what calling is, it is where deep calls under deep, where it is the thing that makes you come alive. Don't ask the, your, the question, what does the world need? What wow. the world needs are people who have come alive to their purpose. And when you have come alive and you realize that this thing makes me come alive, it, it energizes me. Yes. It, it makes me uh, strengthen. It makes me feel fulfilled. It, it makes me feel happy that I'm able to serve someone else because purpose is always about other people. We're, we're like a tree. We produce fruit that others consume. The tree doesn't wow. consume the fruit. We provide the fruit that somebody else is able to consume. And our joy is in watching them eat. Jesus said, if you love me, feed my sheep. That's a part of our purpose is to do the feeding. And when we see people eating of the fruit that we are able to produce, and here's the main key, we produce this fruit not of ourselves, but it is because we are connected to the vine. Mm. And so the fruit grows through us. That's why you are never to confuse yourself with your gift. The gift is through us. It is not of us. Oh. The, the gift is his. The gift is his. And so being connected to the vine, the grapes grow through the vine. The vine cannot take credit for it. We're right. the branches. We're the branches. Jesus is the vine or the trunk of the tree, and it's because we stay connected to him that we are just a conduit for the fruit to come out. So the fruit is our gift. Our gift is the fruit. And when people get filled with the fruit of the vine, that wine is a type of joy. That wow. produces a joy in us that the world didn't give and the world cannot take away. And the a critical thing about joy, joy is never based on what's happening. That's what people get confused. Happiness yes. Happiness always deals with what's happening. So that when the happenings are no longer happening, then we don't feel the excitement and the joy. But when you operate in your gift and your God given purpose, then that thing comes alive in us. So that's a part of what calling is. That's what we, we do. Mm. And, and oftentimes people are paid for something that you have to do until you can get to do what you really want to do. So that's always a, that's a runway. It's, I think of it like a runway with a big thing <laughs> trying to get off the ground. Yes. What's paid to do, you, sometimes we start off very rarely are people able to start off directly fully in their purpose. Yes. You got to wash cars, you got to clean something, you got to do manual labor, you got to right. do things to get before you can really do what you want to do. You have to first do what you have to do. That's the training ground that builds the character to sustain the gift once we get there.
Wow, wow, wow. Ladies and gentlemen, out of <laughs> out of the gate, Bishop Bronner has gotten, I'll tell you what, if I didn't have these headphones on, I'd take a lap around my office right now. Bishop Bronner is, um, he's just dropping some transformational truth. My goodness, Bishop. Um, l- let me ask you this question, Bishop Bronner. I have, I have been following your ministry for several years now, and um, you've been a very influential voice in my own life and ministry. You've been such a blessing to uh, my family and I, um, I've, I've watched you flow in different streams of purpose and maybe you could just speak to that for a moment. One of the things I'm sure those who haven't been exposed to your ministry yet, one of the things that, uh, you, God has just endowed you with is an incredible, incredible wisdom gift. Every time you speak, you speak for, I'm, I'm right now, I, along with our listeners, are consuming the fruit <laughs> from, from, from this branch of, of incredible wisdom. Can you speak to that? Because I think sometimes there's confusion about what's my purpose. But I've watched you flow in different streams of purpose. I've watched you flow from the pulpit in purpose. I've watched you flow in business with incredible purpose. Can you just talk to that for a moment? Because I think sometimes people get disillusioned with their passions, and they have multiple passions. And yeah. they're all connected to their purpose. Could you speak to that? Yeah, you know, that's, that's exactly correct. Like one time I, I, I saw one, uh, a lady came to me and she said, she said, I know you said that a, a, your gift makes room for you. And she says, but I have so many gifts that I don't mm. know which direction in which to move. I've got so many gifts. And, and she began to enumerate, she says, I, I can paint, I, I do greeting cards, I, 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 I do poetry, I do spoken word, uh, I do uh, interior design, all of these. And, and I, I said to her, because after she named out this long list of things, I said, sweetheart, you really only have one gift. That is your dominant gift. It is the gift of creativity mm. that has all of these different expressions. That's so good. So, for example, if, 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 if I have been called to a gift and a purpose of communicating truth uh, from a kingdom perspective, if that's my gift as a communicator, um, when I write a book, I'm still communicating. Yes. Speak, I'm communicating. If I'm doing a play, I'm communicating. It's still all the communication gift. So sometimes what might look like a wide variety of things taken to different things. If you've got a leadership gift in you, you, your leadership gift is going to be uh, stirred up and called into action if you're at a family reunion, in helping to organize the family reunion. If you're working in your neighborhood, in the homeowners association, that gift is going to bubble up. If you're working in a local church, if you're working on a secular job, that gift is going to come up. That's who you are are. You can quit what you do, but you cannot quit who you are. Oh, and When that gift is in you, uh, it, it just continues to bubble up and you'll find it having a wide variety of expressions, but it is the same gift. That's like the, Holy Spirit. the Holy Spirit is the Holy Spirit, but he manifests himself in a wide variety, power gifts, vocal gifts, revelatory gifts. It's the same spirit, but different manifestations. So when you're anointed, it is an anointing to do it, whether you're in business, whether you're in government, whether you're in education, whether you're in the beauty business, lawn care, uh, car wash, the same Holy Spirit can give you creative and innovative ideas. Because one thing that I know is this, problems are a wake-up call for creativity. Oh, 
And oh. if you're in a situation of a problem and you have a cr creative gift on the inside of you, problems engage your creative gift. Mm. It, it, it comes alive during that time. So never limit yourself to any one dimension because God is going to express himself through you wherever you are, because wherever you are, there he is. My goodness, my goodness. I want to recap a couple of things you just said for our listeners. You said you can quit what you do, but you cannot quit who you are. Somebody needs to hear that. And then you said problems are a wake-up call for creativity. My Lord. Um, we've seen during this season of COVID and, and trying to learn how to do ministry differently, Bishop, we've, we've here at Life Church, the church I'm privileged to pastor, we've, we've found new creative ways to get the message out that we probably wouldn't have had we not encountered the challenges of this unique season. And so yes. I've seen your, your, the, the wisdom you're sharing. We've watched that manifest among us. Incredible, my goodness. Bishop, you said, you just said it. You said it in your book, Power Principles, but I just, you just shared it again. You said that uh, your purpose is always connected to your, dom your dominant gift. Now, sometimes I've spoken with people, as I'm sure you have, who struggle to identify their gifts or their dominant gifts. I've run into people who they've, they've uh, been convinced that they don't have any gifts or they're not gifted. You know, I don't, I'm not a gifted person, pastor. Uh, but we know that's not true. Everyone has a gift. They've been gifted. Uh, what are one or two ways that maybe we can identify the gifts that God has placed in our lives? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, I, I, I would say this, um, with, with a, a dominant gift, a dominant gift is something that resurfaces over and over in your life. You, you cannot quit it. Mm. You can't quit it. it. It just, it's with you. If you ask people who know you well to describe you in one word, mm. that one word description is going to be concerning your dominant gift. You may not be able to see it, but that's why people around us are our mirrors. And they reveal to us aspects of us that we don't know because the dominant gift seems so natural to you. Uh, what is a dominant gift in your life comes with ease. It flows out of you. It is the essence of who you are. So that flows. And so we take it for granted. Mm. And, and, and the, uh, the thing about it is that because it's so natural to us, we're blind. We don't really see it as a gift. We're like, well, can't you just do such and such? And you yes. try to encourage or teach someone else to do something that you have a dominant gift in doing, and they can't do it. But relatives and friends, those people that are in your inner circle, if you ask them, they can really help you to be able to see what your dominant gift is. They can, if, if you have to uh, ask a person uh, in one word, in one word, you know, yeah. uh, what, what is uh, Tiger Woods' dominant gift? Most people would tell you. Serena Williams, most right. people tell you, Elvis Presley, most people would tell you, just right, right. off, they, right. they to tell you. So, uh, wow. so and you're going to see that they, they would absolutely know it because it continues to bear fruit. It will bear fruit in your life. And, and then I, I like for people to think about this. Your dominant gift will oftentimes shape the direction of your life, direction. Direction is much more important than speed because until you have determined your direction, you don't know which way to run. 
Uh, Your dominant gift begins to shape the direction in which you move. After you've determined direction, the next most important thing is then alignment. Alignment. How do I now align my, my actions, my values, my virtues with the direction that God is flowing in my life? A river flows in one direction. It, it doesn't, you don't find rivers flowing down one, one in the morning and then upstream in the evening. Right. One direction. Direction. And it's cutting its way. The banks set its boundaries, its borders, but it is flowing and there's power that's there and the river flows, a gift flows. It has mm. a direction. So our gifts lead our lives in a particular direction. Then we must align our practices, our disciplines, our daily routines in alignment with that because gifts can be sharpened mm. and they can be developed. They can be improved. Uh, so they can be challenged. Mm. So always make a gift better. Direction, alignment. The third thing is commitment. Commitment. Because you can't really quit on your gift. You have to be committed to it. Direction, alignment, commitment. It's the thing that really makes us powerful. That's why the river can be so cutting. It can cut through rock. It can move earth out of the way. Right. It can reshape things. And that's what happens when you've got a dominant gift. You're, you're moving. It determines direction. And then it aligns everything. If you were, if you were pouring, uh, uh, if you turn on a water hose and, 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 and then there's a bend in the hose. Right. Nothing flows. Right. But the moment that you straighten it, it comes into alignment. And now mm. whatever is coming through now, it flows with an ease. And it can come out in a powerful way because we have put it into alignment and it causes the flow. Wow. And so sometimes a person has it to where they don't have the proper alignment because uh, Gandhi mentioned this, that if you're going to have happiness, happiness is the convergence uh, between what you think, uh, what you say, and what you do. When mm. those three things are in harmony, when those three things, what you think what you say and what you do are in harmony, then you have happiness. So we have, mm -hmm. it's about having a convergence of that. You're having clarity, clarity of thought. Clarity is not about uh, knowing the future. Clarity is about understanding the present. Ah, uh, wow. It's about understanding the present. Clarity of thought, clarity of talk, and clarity of tasks. So you assign, you have to give your gifts something to do. Gifts are designed to do something. A gift is not a gift until it is given. A gift is not a gift until it is given. God gives no useless gifts. Wow. If there is a gift, it is a sign that there is a critical need for that gift. So a gift is not a gift until it is given. And you make sure that you've got clear thinking as it relates to that gift clear talk as it relates to that gift and clear tasks as it relates to that gift and it will bless the world and you become so fulfilled that people are partaking of a gift and you are adding value to the world. <laughs> wow, wow, this is rich. This is gonna be one of the episodes that people are gonna have to go back and listen to several times um, because we're eating well. Uh, a gift is not a gift until it's given. Uh, Bishop, in, in your book, power principles you wrote, you said, if you are still following your purpose after people have tried to discourage you, 
after circumstances have almost overwhelmed you, you know you were meant for it. Can you talk to us for a minute about the reality of adversity that we'll face on the road to destiny? Because I think sometimes people get disillusioned because they think, oh, I've discovered my purpose, I'm, I'm pursuing my calling, but, but, you know, I think one of the most limiting mindsets that we adopt is if it were God's will, it would be easy. Hmm. But the reality is, is we will face adversity on the way to, to destiny. Can you just talk to that for a minute? Oh, absolutely. You know, um, I don't know anybody who is considered great who had an easy past. Hmm. Anybody that has become exceptional in any way, it was adversity climbing that thing mm. that actually made them strong. So um, the goal is not to try to avert adversity because yeah. adversity makes us who we are. It is adversity that introduces a man or a woman to himself or herself. Adversity introduces you to yourself, you don't know who you are and what you can do until you've got a problem. Mm. Um, and nothing becomes great until it overcomes opposition. Our dream, our vision, our real fulfillment is always on the other side of a battle. So if you've got a challenge and you've got an adversity, faith will never exempt you from challenges. In fact, God giving us faith is the sign that you're going to deal with discouragement, that you're going to deal with disappointment, that you're going to deal with failure, but you never allow that to stop you. You mm. rest, you breathe, you, you recalibrate, you rethink, you restore, but then you go back at it, you roll up your sleeves because each adversity builds a new strength and a new resilience in your life. That's the power that that, that trouble brings into, it has an assignment. Pain is a gift even, you know, learning is a gift even when, when pain is the teacher. Mm. That's the thing, that adversity teaches us something. It teaches us something and it sharpens us and it makes us better. And adversity helps to get foolishness out of your life. When you're, <laughs> going, through it, you're going through adversity, it has a way of focusing you. I mean, that, that it says that I don't want to do anything that's crazy during this season. Yeah. I've got to focus. I'm trying to survive. I mean, when you are trying to keep your head above water, you're not thinking about sinning. You're not thinking about fornicating. You're not thinking about going and getting drunk. You're trying to keep your head above water. You're trying to survive. It helps to eliminate uh, negative things out of us and builds our trust and faith. It builds the muscles in the process of something that will be necessary to sustain us once God brings us through it. Wow. So he's building the testimony. He is building the testimony. Wow. And if you'll ever go back through any of the list of the people in the, in the Hall of Fame of Faith, all of that Hall of Fame of Faith is about people dealing with and overcoming the adversity that came their way. So the adversity is just a sign that it says, I want to introduce something into your life to bring you to a, a point of change. Crisis means turning point, and it turns us 
from where we are onto the level that God is bringing us. So it's an exciting time for God to sharpen us, to make us better, and to give us a testimony to be able to connect with other people because no one is exempt from adversity. And we connect with many more people through sharing our failures and our challenges and our adversity than we do with our success. Success is boring. The thing that makes a story exciting are the challenges that you have overcome. Uh, You know, it is said that um, you do not measure success by the heights that a person reaches, but by the obstacles that they had to overcome. Mm. That becomes the litmus test of real success are the challenges. When you didn't grow up with a sterling background and you didn't have the financial advantages that other people, and you might not have had all of the educational opportunities, but it is when God, despite your handicaps, and God loves the underdog. David was an underdog. Can you imagine? Daddy didn't believe in it. So when he was looking, David was not even considered. And Samuel, the prophet said, isn't there one more? Can you imagine your own daddy doesn't believe in you? Wow. (laughs) You know, so that was adversity in him. And David had to, he had to overcome that. I mean, Saul, King Saul made 21 attempts on the life of David to kill him. Mm. 21 attempts. Because there's always something that's lurking, trying to kill your, uh, your, your destiny. It, it started in the Garden of Eden after Adam and Eve had two children, Cain and Abel. And there was Cain trying to slay Abel. I, mm. I like to look at them as nicknames. It was Cain trying to slay his ability. Oh, wow. Cain and Abel. And wow. so there, there he was. He was just trying to kill his ability, trying to kill his ability. And so we always have to be able to deal with that adversity so that a testimony comes out of it and a strength is produced and it allows us to be able to connect with other people who are experiencing adversity in their own life. Wow, wow, wow. Every time I ask a question, it feels like a fresh wave of wisdom is crashing over us. you said something I want to recap for our listeners. A couple, actually, a couple of things I'm, I'm going to try to recap briefly. But you said adversity has a way of getting foolishness out of our lives. That was so important, so good. Um, and then you said success is boring. It's the challenges that we overcome that make it interesting. I think that's an important point, I think, because especially in the realm of life and leadership, Bishop, there's a tendency to try to hide the adversity. There's a tendency to try to hide the most interesting parts of our stories. And and yet every movie that any of us ever watch, whether it's a comedy, a romance, drama, they all have one thing in common, yep. and it's what draws us in. Yep. It is the problem they have to solve. It's the adversity that they're overcoming. Yep. And uh, it makes us sit up and pay attention. And I think there's a temptation in our own lives to uh, almost hide the adversity because we think it somehow diminishes our value, but the contrary is quite true. That is such an important and refreshing point, Bishop. Thank you. Um, uh, Bishop, I've heard you say that in the pursuit of God's purpose for our lives, we may have to leave our comfort zone, but never leave your gift zone. What are the dangers of leaving our gift zone? And, and maybe for those who have, uh, how do we get back to the place of the gift zone? How, how do we get back to that place of there might be somebody listening and they haven't been in the, in the quote unquote gift zone for, for years. Maybe they got pulled in another direction and um, or they were convinced that it didn't matter. What would you say to that person who's listening, who who wants to get back to that place? They just don't know how. Yeah, yeah, that's 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 so that's so vitally important. I, I would I would really recommend to them that they go back and ask the identity question. More than anything else in this day and time, 
um, what we see in, in technology in the digital world is identity theft. Mm. This is very emblematic of everything that Satan does. He robs people's identity mm. uh, to derail the destiny. Yeah. Because until you first know who you are, you have no idea what you're capable of doing. So in the DNA, the very fabric of who we are and how we are created, in that is, is, is in the code of the DNA. You know, when a person is a certain way, you, you, can, you can recognize it in, in your children. I mean, right. most people, if, if, if you see a negative quality, you know that it came through your spouse's side of the family. <laughs> and whatever is a strength in their life we said you know yeah that came from my side of the family this, this other thing this little attitude that came from your side of the family you right know, right but you it's in the dna it's coming back and asking the question who am i so wow. you can get back to the essence of who you are because what you do always flows out of who you are. Wow. It's just that whole idea of, of our spiritual shape that as, a, as an acrostic there, your spiritual gift, uh, your heart or wherever right. your passions are, your abilities, your personality, and your experience. Go back and, and look at that because God is going to use everything that you have been through in mm. order to forge uh, the future of where you are. All of that has been seed and fodder or fertilizer to produce the harvest of our tomorrow. So we go back to it because the identity of the fruit is locked in the seed. Wow. And the seed is just asking the question, who am I? What has God called me to do? And what is that thing? It is that thing that makes you come alive. Wow. It's not difficult. What makes you come alive? It's asking this question in essence, how do I want to be remembered? Mm. How do I want to be remembered? How do I want to be remembered? To me, um, it tells us, I mean, a person's life, for example, um, the Nobel Peace Prize, uh, Alfred Nobel, you know, when, he, when they first thought that he had died, they had, they had misprinted the obituaries, thinking that it was Alfred Noble who had died. It was actually his brother who had died. And he's sitting at his breakfast table one morning and uh, reading his own obituary. Wow. He was the discoverer of TNT Dynamite and all of the destruction that it had caused all over the world. And mm. there, sitting at his breakfast table, he said to himself, this is not how I want to be remembered. And he did something to change that and, and became the founder of the Nobel Peace Prize. So wow. today, he's known more for peace. Most people don't know that he discovered dynamite. Wow. And the destruction that it caused all over the world. He changed in the middle of his life, his destiny, because he asked the question, how do I want to be remembered? And so you can change it. If it seems like it has gotten off course in your life, you can ask, I don't want to be remembered this way. How do I want to be remembered? And he thought about it. And that's when he uh, took the proceeds of the money from, uh, from his uh, dynamite discovery. And he would take the interest off of that and allow that to be the monetary reward that accompanied the Nobel Peace Prize each year. Wow. And to this day and time, it's, I think it's a little over a million dollars. Uh, it's just the interest off of that account. 
So he took that and he is now remembered for a positive thing. And so if our life has been a, a, a carnage of destruction and adversity and problems and bad judgments and all of that, we have the ability to change that with the power of a question. Mm. How do I want to be remembered? And who am I? What has God called me to do? What makes me come alive? Until you ask questions, you really don't get answers. So start asking, asking the why questions. And, and here's what I would say. Ask the why question, the why question. Most people ask why because we don't know the answer. We don't know why. And here's the problem with most folks is that they, they don't ask the why question until something has gone wrong. And, and my advice is this, ask the why question while you're winning. Why am I winning? Why are we growing? Why were sales up this month? Why was attendance so great? Why was giving so great? What were we doing that was causing these? Why were we winning? Why were we getting these results? Ask why while you're winning. Ask why while you're winning. Don't ask why is this happening to me? Ask this question. It's a much better question. What is this trying to teach me? Mm. What is this trying to teach me? And then we, we carry the wisdom of that. People have asked me over the years, as I've been interviewed, they, they'll ask me this. They said, Bishop Bronner, what would you say to your younger self? And then I, I say to them, I would rephrase the question because whatever I would say to my younger self uh, can't help me right now. Uh, my question is, what would my older self say to me now that can impact my future of where I'm going? Wow. So I would want to know what would I think if somebody wow. 20 years older than I am, the wisdom, the experience, the revelation, the perspective that they would have, how can that perspective empower me now to be at a better place 20 years from now? So that's the better question. What would my older self say to me right now to be able to change the trajectory of my destiny? Wow. <laughs> My goodness. Oh, uh, for our listeners, you're going to need to go back and hit rewind a few times and listen to these last few minutes. Um, it has been absolutely rich. It is difficult for me to pull away. Uh, but Bishop Bronner, you have dropped some absolute um, transformational truths on us today. Recapping the transformational truth, when it comes to the pursuit of our purpose, the most devastating thing that could happen to you is not failure far more dangerous is to become successful at the wrong thing. Uh, Bishop Bronner, where can people find you? Uh, they, can, they can find me on, uh, on Twitter at, at Bishop Bronner, on Instagram at Bishop Bronner, on LinkedIn at Bishop Bronner. <laughs> <laughs> Just go to dalebronner.com and, and find us there. Absolutely. And I will encourage everybody to do so. Um, I, I, I think you could probably take uh, one of Bishop Bronner's tweets uh, for all of the preachers out there. Take one tweet and it can, it's a seed for a sermon. <laughs> um, but definitely connect with Bishop uh, Bronner. Um, and if you would like to, please check out the links that I've included for you in the show notes. And if Transformational Truths is helpful to you, please do me a favor. Take a moment. Go to Apple iTunes. Rate the show. Write us a quick review. I want to help you restore the joy to your life and your leadership. Bishop Bronner, thank you so much for being on Transformational Truths today. Oh, it's my pleasure.